Hey friends, happy Wednesday and welcome to the Drive Through Moms podcast. Each episode, we're talking to a mom or sharing something to encourage moms to see God's faithfulness. I can't wait for you to hear who's next. Here we go. Hey friends, welcome to the Drive Through Moms podcast. I'm so excited you guys are here today. We have uh, are talking to a mom of five and author of her first children's book called Josephine in the Quarantine, Miss Candace Eccles. Hey Candace, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you obviously write for multiple publications. I guess some of them print and some of them online, but you've written for some different publications like Risen Motherhood, um, The Gospel Coalition, Style Blueprint, Deeply Rooted. And we're going to dive into your book here in just a little bit. Um, You know, the Josephine and the Quarantine, we'll get to that in just a second, but I wanted you to have a chance a little bit to share with us about your family and your life in Tennessee, correct? You live near Memphis or? Yes, that's right. I live right in the middle of Memphis. And okay. um, yeah, so I'm happy to share. Yeah, um, <clears throat> My husband and I have five kids, ages four to 14. Our oldest is a boy. And then we have four daughters after that. So um, right now we're in that funny phase where all five kids are old enough to do something fun, like play a sport or ballet or, you know, fill in the blank. But nobody is old enough to drive. So for the next two years, we anticipate Life will just be probably, uh, you know, as hectic as it's going to be for a while. Um, right. So, you know, that's that's where we are. But we uh, we have a mini Bernadoodle rookie is his name, um, like the newest member on the team. And it's cute. Yeah, yeah. We live in a hundred year old house. It's actually 110 years old um, here right in the middle of Memphis. And um, so, yeah, we we're just enjoying where we are in life right now. Also, I feel like I'm driving laps around the city every single day. Yeah. A hundred percent, which is exactly, you know, where the name Drive Through Moms came from, because it just felt like those years of, uh, especially like you said, where they are in elementary through high school and not having drivers, you're constantly in the car going somewhere, even if you are very minimal about what they're doing mm-hmm. in terms of like extracurricular. So are they all pretty much involved in something outside of school or... Yes, they are. I've got several lacrosse players, a basketball player or two, um, and two ballerinas. So uh, it just depends on which season we're in. But, um, you know, everybody seems to have chosen something that they love, which is great. You know, we're glad for them to do it. But it, it just it requires a lot of time in the car. Yeah, I, I've told the story before. But I know the the when I first started um, even having the concept of the drive through moms, I remember being in the car with my mom one day and we had dropped our middle one off uh, at gymnastics. And I'm like, I was just laughing almost to the point of tears. I'm like, I've literally been in the car for almost six hours. I could have been back and forth to Lubbock, which is where my husband's from. Mm. Um, yes. And so I'm like, I could have driven that far today yes. the amount of time that I've been in the car and I'm in like a five mile radius of my house. <laughs> You know, so yep, those, I know that feeling very uh, well. And you, some days you feel like, okay, I had coffee and a muffin through a drive-through for breakfast, and then mm. I didn't. I had lunch with a friend, or we grabbed something after school, and we just felt like we were constantly picking something up during that season. And yes. I don't know, we're empty nesters. I think we still do it sometimes. Yeah, I but know. yeah, those seasons are are fun and um, definitely can be trying at times. But being in the car with your kids is is something that's super super precious. Those those first few moments they get in the car. Yeah, probably some of my favorites, right? When they get out of school. Yes. Yeah. They're really, 
honest and I have, I have two teenagers now, um, 13 and 14. I have Irish twins. Those first two are, and, um, they are, they're really, they plop their bag in the car. As a matter of fact, I had a friend just today who told me, <clears throat> she said, my daughter chunks her bag in the car, chunks her lacrosse stick in the car, you know, everything in her arm. She just throws it in the car every day. She closes the door and she goes, Hey, and the mom is just like, it's her verbal, like chunking herself in the car, you know, like yeah. mom, here I am. And uh, so that's, that is, that's what it feels like a lot of days. Like that, you know, they've been fighting the fight all day at school. They get in, here's, here's who I really am. This is how I'm really feeling, you know? Right. Right. And some days it's learning how to read, read them different where sometimes, you know, one of mine might've gotten in and been chatty Cathy and talked 90 to nothing and told me everything that happened all day. And another one, we get in completely quiet and stoic and like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to yes. answer questions. I've been, you know, whatever's happened all day. And, and you're just like, well, how was your day? And who did you have lunch with? And what happened? And, you know, it's just figuring out when to, when to get that information out of them. But yeah, those, mm. those 10 to 15 minutes right in the car at the very beginning uh, when they get out of school is always something that I loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I've read several, like I said, several of your articles. And one of the ones that I found super interesting, like I think we talked (laughs) about this before, is, um, you know, a lot of your articles are about families and moms and, uh, you know, life and your love for the Lord. But you've got this article that you wrote about the Memphis Grizzlies. And it looked like there was a picture in the article about you maybe were sitting on the sidelines. I was a little jealous of the low, you know, (laughs) bowl seats. Those are always fun to get if you get them every now and then. But you just... the. The article about basketball and your perspective, I thought that was so sweet, was, you know, being being that close, you were able to see those little things like Pau Gasol waving at his wife, you know, that just kind of showed, hey, I love you. And the things that you don't typically see, you know, from a distance in the rafters. Mm. Um, and so because that was such a different uh, turn from what you generally write about, how, how where does basketball figure in your life? Yeah, well, I grew up playing basketball. I'm really no good at it at all. Um, but I grew up just loving it. I came from a basketball family. Memphis is a basketball city. We have the University of Memphis Tigers, who just played March Madness, and we have the Memphis Grizzlies. Right. You know, we just we're we're just a heavy basketball place. Um, but I particularly just love the sport. I love the game. But really, what I recently have realized more, um, yeah, more recently is. Um, in the Christian realm in particular, you're uh, male or female, your artists, your writers, your nature lovers, you know, these people who have a little bit more of an artsy side to them, they sometimes they're able to, I guess, converse um, about the things of the Lord more easily. The vocabulary is there, the um, sort of the, the open eyes to what God is doing. You know, all of that is there. As a matter of fact, there's even a German word, and I have to be honest with you, I am not totally sure how to pronounce it. I believe it's Sansucht, I think is how you pronounce it, but it is a word that talks about, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about it a lot. It's, it, it's basically referencing those precious moments where life is so perfect for just a moment. I mean, it might be less than a minute that you want time to stop because it's just life is so perfect. It feels like this moment that you're in is a glimpse of heaven. And those moments are filled with a deep longing for something more. The moment in and of itself is so full of delight, but it it sort of leaves you with this longing for something deeper and more. And I don't know if you've ever felt anything like that. I know I've heard a speaker talk about it before and he referenced... um, 
a moment in his childhood where all the kids had come together in somebody's backyard to play a baseball game, just an impromptu baseball game. And the parents sort of ended up walking over, you know, one at a time. And it was around sunset. And he remembers for the rest of his life, he'd never forgotten the moment um, that in that moment, it felt like life was perfect. And he wished it could be that way forever. And I know I've definitely had those moments in my life. um, But oftentimes, I feel like in the Christian world, those moments revolve around um, nature or art or music or a beautiful piece of writing, maybe poetry, that sort of thing. But I actually think we can catch glimpses of those moments in sports. Um, sure, absolutely. I think um, for Memphis in particular, you know, we it's no secret. We've got a lot of issues in Memphis. But one of the places where I really see some light breakthrough is when I'm sitting in the stands at the Grizzlies game. And particularly the this um, really kind of the season we're in right now where we've just discovered that we're going to be able to make the playoffs. And I can tell you that there have been years when we have um, – say, won a game that clinched the playoffs for us. And the entire FedEx Forum is just absolutely, you know, uh, exploding with joy. And I mean, you're dancing with these people who are sitting next to you and you look nothing like them. You know, you, you don't have anything similar as far as your background or whatever, but it is, it's, it's as if we don't even see all those things in those moments. Right. We are cheering for the same team and that team has our city name on the front. And I I just sort of, I think it's this interesting spot where like actually God can create a longing for what heaven is going to look like. I mean, you know, and he actually does it through sports, not to mention the part where it's just an amazing thing to see a human body uh, at its very top physical condition doing things that, for instance, my human body has never nor will ever do, you know, with some of the, the, the maneuvers that they do on the court. We have John Morant right now. He's just unbelievable to watch. Oh, yeah. And, right. you know, just to, to watch some of that is it's an amazing thing to watch the body, you know, do what God created it to do in that way. But the bigger thing is I kind of think there are times where sports can point us to God in really unique ways and in ways that sometimes get overlooked by the general Christian world, if that makes sense. Sure, absolutely. And I love the picture of, um, we've been to several Mavs games this year, and and you're exactly right. You get in an environment like that where everybody's there for one reason. They're there for the love of the game. They're there to see, you know, John Morant or in our case, Luka Doncic. And, you know, mm-hmm. you get into, um, you kind of forget, you know, for that at least two hours, you know, you forget everything else that's happening on the outside. You forget the differences that maybe you have, um, you know, with people that you don't even know, like you said, you don't know the people sitting next to you, um, mm-hmm. but you just can kind of zone out and, and focus in on the fun of it. Um, people that are coming from all different backgrounds. And like you said, the, the physical prowess of just these guys that God has gifted, mm-hmm. um, is pretty amazing. You know, we had Dirk Nowitzki forever. And so oh, yeah. we, we loved watching Dirk play. My son grew up with him, uh, watching him play and is a huge Mavericks fan. Um, and like I said, we have a, a, uh, golden doodle whose name is Maverick. And so, mm. um, but I love the perspective of, um, just those things that you can. And it's funny. I think you maybe, maybe it was one of your articles I was reading. Um, just talking about how, you know, sometimes you will see those things in the middle of a setting. You're like, I'm in the middle of a basketball game, but the, the joy of it, the common, um, 
you know, everybody working for the same thing almost mm-hmm. makes you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll break down in mm-hmm. tear going, this is really amazing. Or, or mm-hmm. even just hear everybody sing the national anthem in some mm-hmm. settings where, um, you know, you might not see it, uh, in others, but, um, Anyway, I just thought the basketball side was so amazing. And so did you play as well growing up? So you said you were a basketball family. Um, yes. So you did play. And then I saw something about Europe. Did you play over there? I did. I played in in all growing up, starting in fifth grade. And then, um, you know, on and off for school, church, whatever was available at the time. I changed schools at one point and played for the new school, all that. In college, I just played intramurals. But then when I graduated from college, I got a job uh, in London, England, because I had studied abroad there during during a semester of college. Um, I went to Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. And um, they have a great study abroad program there. So I'd gone there in college. And then after college, a job opened up to be a youth intern with an international church there that kind of catered to expatriates from the United States, Australia, and South Africa. And so I went over for my job as a youth intern. But while I was there, I heard that there was like uh, sort of a, now this is, I'm about to say this word, but it is way overshooting what actually happened. (laughs) The word was semi-pro league for women there. And um, honestly, (laughs) I think they heard there was an American and they were like, bring her, bring her. (laughs) And I went to practice twice and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is way out of my league. I mean, again, I had played high school and then intramurals in college. And I mean, I practiced with them, I guess a couple, I don't, several times. I don't remember exactly, but I thought, when are you going to get the chance to play with the European semi-pro league? Exactly. That's amazing. You got to try. You know, if the door opens, you got to walk through it. So I gave it a try. It was short-lived, but it was fun to do for a little while. And it was definitely fun to just be exposed to something like that. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer, like, you know, whatever like that, whenever the door opens, you just, you have to give it a try. That's awesome. Because, yeah, not many people can say that they played in a semi-pro European <laughs> league. You know, that's pretty amazing. Okay, well, we could talk about basketball forever, but let's just clarify, just to be um, up front, the Grizzlies are ahead in the standings. I think they're the second in the Western Conference. <laughs> and the Mavericks are fourth. I checked the standings yesterday, and I'm like, I don't think they've changed. But, um, yeah, so yeah. best but, of luck. Well, thank you, and to you, too. But, I mean, I think the Mavericks probably have a much stronger history. I mean, this is uh, the highest we've ever been, so we're pretty pumped about that, you know. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, my we watch uh, – March Madness is always such a fun, fun time. College mm. basketball is just – insanely fun um and my son is a, a senior at Baylor and so mm. they won last year and uh we were a little sad that they didn't uh go all the way this time and then mm. uh we both went to Texas Tech and one of my daughters did too and so Tech was in the mix in the uh in the Sweet 16 and or did they even get past the I don't remember but anyway both mm. of our teams were out so we were a little bummed but anyway mm-hmm. basketball is pretty amazing to us it so. is I agree that's a fun part of your story. I love that. Thank you. All right. So let's go on and talk about your new book, Josephine and the Quarantine. So is this your first book? Because I know you've done all this writing for different articles um, that you are uh, currently in the different publications. But is this the first book that you've had, the first children's book or what? It is. I um, Once upon a time before I had kids, I was a first grade teacher. And I, I, that's kind of my first love. But during COVID, you remember, if you can think back, those first few months when everybody was truly locked down, you know, everybody's at home, no kids in school, all that. Um, 
at that time, we did not have a dog. We had had a dog, but um, he had already gone on to doggy heaven at that point. And so we'd been without a dog for quite some time. And uh, I just... I just got this craving for a dog. And the crazy part is I am not naturally a dog person. You know, how some people, they, Same. Just, they have to have a dog. I am not naturally a dog person, but a couple months into COVID, I just desperately wanted a dog. And so, um, long story short, uh, I, I went for a walk one day, ran across the dog, um, that I just thought was the cutest thing. He was peeking out a, a window at me and it was, it was such a cute dog or she was, I went to the door and asked, what is that breed of dog? That is the cutest dog. And they told me it was a mini Bernadoodle. And lo and behold, that dog's name was sister, which was my nickname growing up. So I came home, we've got a mini Bernadoodle, but really, um, the bigger, the bigger sort of interesting thing. I won't even go so far as to call it a truth because I don't necessarily think it's biblical. But thing that came to light during that time was um, just that it seemed the whole world needed comfort. And a whole, whole lot of us were looking for comfort from pets and particularly from dogs. You know, I mean, you couldn't find a puppy for a while um, because so many people were getting dogs. And it occurred to me as a former not dog lover, um, it occurred to me that maybe this is one of those funny little ways that God comforts us. It's almost like he is cuddling with us through these puppies, almost like they're living loveys, you know? Um, right. And and this was all new for me. So um, I, I just kind of had the idea to write a little something about it. And I, I wrote it out in poetry form, called my husband and said, because he let me do like a one night overnight in Oxford, Mississippi. It's about an hour from here. And um, he said, you know, we were doing, you know, the at-home schooling at that point. And so I went for just a a night by myself just to take a breather. And while I was there, I wrote this poem about, um, about dogs and how God uses dogs to comfort us in times of loneliness. And I called him, I said, you know, it was just supposed to be a fun poem, but I think maybe this could be a children's book. And he, he, I read it to him and he was like, I'm on board. Let's do it. So um, I found an illustrator and she is just this phenomenal girl here locally. And um, she had the idea that the first half of the book would be in black and white. And then as God's love comes into the story, color would come into her illustrations. Yes. I love that. I did notice that is going through from the beginning to the end. And I, you know, it's funny because um, after, I've heard that part of your story. Um, I did notice that even about people in our neighborhood, that there were people getting dogs and we are, you know, we had our dog before that, but that there were people trying to do something, you know, for, for us, even, you know, you talk about getting out and taking walks and seeing people with new puppies and stuff, but you did see just during that time, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, um, this global pandemic where everybody in the world pretty much knew how everybody else felt. They knew mm. on some level there was, wow, this part of the world feels exactly the way the other part of the world on the backside feels that they've already been through it. Maybe the, you know, uh, COVID had already hit on that side before it came to us or whatever mm-hmm. the way the timing was, but you could empathize and feel with what somebody else was going through and all the lockdowns and being in. And um, I know when, you know, I'm a big walker, the same, and I love to get out and walk. And there's part of um, something, and I think I've got a quote in here of something you said later when we're talking about in a minute um, on your numbers by Candace article that you wrote a, kind of about this. But there's something about getting out and walking and being in nature, mm. um, a prayer time for me, but it's also a huge music time for me. And I think um, 
you started seeing a lot more people out that I'd never seen before. I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't know you lived in this neighborhood or people <laughs> were out walking with their families and their dog because they were so tired of being in the house or what yeah. else do they do? You know, you were either in your house, but you really weren't getting out and going, you know, you weren't going to restaurants or whatever. So you could definitely see the sadness setting in and that people were searching mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. um, to alleviate that. So I love that that idea and you know, the depiction of seeing, um, you know, dogs as part of something that uh, God can give us as, as a source of joy. Hmm. So what is something that you really hope that people get from this story? I mean, um, or what do you think God has taught you in the process of writing the book, but then something else that you think that they could get from the Josephine story? Hmm. Well, It's obviously written about a very specific period of time, but when people ask me, what's this book about? I mean, obviously the word quarantine is in the title, but really what I usually tell them is it's about how God comforts us in times of loneliness through puppies. Because the truth of it is, quarantine was very unique, but we all go through seasons of loneliness at different places in our lives. And so God is always um, creatively, you know, coming up with ways to show us comfort, whether it be recently, just recently, one way I found a lot of comfort is looking up the moon at night, which I know that sounds maybe a little crazy or whatever, but just there is something about the moon in whichever phase it's in that is so peaceful to look at to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it just, whatever troubles are around me at eye level in that moment, or even if it's just getting out of the minivan for the 55th time that day or whatever, you know, and then I look up at the moon, I remember God is so much bigger than all of this, whatever this is, you know, good or bad so much, many times it's wonderful, good stuff. But the point is God is so much bigger. And um, when I look up at the moon at night, it really, really, even a glimpse of the moon while I'm driving or, you know, in and out or whatever. So much of my life feels like it's very much in and out of the car right now. So that's why I keep referencing that. But um, I I feel like God just really, I am a big believer that he comforts us a lot through nature. I really am. I know I was earlier talking about sports, but for me personally, and and even his word says he, he reveals himself through nature. And I, I I see that personally in my own life, a lot of comfort through um, all the different parts of nature. But I think the bigger thing is it, softens my picture of God, even um, just playing with a puppy. God made that. God made puppies. He made that brand of fun. He made that brand of playfulness. That is a part. He created that, you know, that that silly, playful, fun uh, part of who a puppy is. And sometimes I think we, um, by all means, keeping intact a certain level of the fear of God and the fact that He is our creator and our maker and He knows all and all that. But at the same time, he made a puppy. I mean, you yeah. know, it just, it sort of fills in a funny, if you can imagine like painting a watercolor painting, it's, it's a totally different color than some of the other parts of the painting that might be a little bit more serious or a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, we've got the wisdom of God and all these very mature aspects of God. But then if you bring in a playful puppy, it's just something amazing that is revealed about God. Um, so anyway, I guess that's particularly kids. I don't want them to miss that God is meeting them where they are on their level. A puppy is like so on a kid's level and God really can come to them where they are and um, show them that he loves them and he cares for them and he can comfort them even at the age of a child and through something like a puppy. 
Well, and especially even for adults, because this, you know, for for your perspective during all of this, you weren't a dog person. And this was something that God kind of laid on your heart, like, hmm. okay, come on, Candace, it could be really fun, you know, and this would be a great thing. I, and I get that because we... I never was a dog person. I do not like shedding. You know, we mm-hmm. bought we bought a, you know, we did not go the rescue route. Um, I we ended up buying one that I thought, okay, this is a breed that's not supposed to shed. He sheds like crazy. He oh he, bummer. He yeah, big bummer. <laughs> he drives me, but I love him, and he has been especially. He's such a cuddler. He has um, you know, part of our story where we are right now. When you're talking about the um. Uh, being outside and in nature um, and the moon, what, you know, we recently moved into a rental and are transitioning. We were in our home for almost 24 years. Mm. Um, All of our kids grew up there and decided to sell. And um, last year in the middle of all the market boom, and so we're like, you know, we're empty nesters. We don't have to stay here. We love our house, but we don't need this house. And so we sold. So right now my husband and I are kind of in this very unsure state of, um, mm-hmm. transition. We have some land. That's another story. We're working on building a house. Um, but in the meantime, we feel a little out of sorts. You know, mm. the kids are adjusting, but they don't live at home. So they're not here every day. So for us you know, on the nature con- you know, concept, um, my husband's not really been a big walker, but he has been where he's walking with me. There's a new part of the neighborhood where we're renting from that's opened um, a new trail and it mm. goes around a pond. Um, and we have just like almost just hungered to get outside and walk around this pond because it's a connection point for us to kind of look at the sunset's completely different every night. Mm. Some nights it's pink, some nights it's orange, some nights it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes it's cloudy, but it's just something about being around the pond and this trail and being in the nature and seeing the sunset. We'll drive up to the land and just watch the sun go down. There's nothing to look at. We don't have a house there yet. It's just dirt. Uh-huh. Um, but there's something about the sunset and um, the beauty in the skies that God puts up as hokey and romantic as that sounds. It's just the truth. And uh-huh. it just draws you into this, you know, God's in control. Everything's, you know. He's got a plan for what's going on. He sees you where you are. He sees what's going on in the little things and the big things and just that connection point. So I totally get that 100%. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. So you wrote an article in Risen Motherhood um, called Super Mom or Imposter, and you talked a little bit about an attitude of palms up, referring to an act of, quote, an act of prayerful surrender, an act of prayerful surrender. Um And one of the quotes in the article said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor are in vain um, from scripture. And then you said, full surrender is such a challenge for me. I've had to develop a physical posture to remind myself that the Lord is the one building my family. So can you talk a little bit about what you meant and what your posture is in this statement? Because I kind of, I love the word picture. I'm a big fan of those um, that it kind of conjures up with the palms up. Yes, absolutely. So, I'm envious of where you are as far as the moving uh, situation. <laughs> we um, we bought our house about 11 years ago, and it w- had not been updated since the 1960s. And so we spent a year and a half renovating it top to bottom. Again, it's 110 years old. So, for instance, when we took one of the um, 
fireplace mantles off the wall just to kind of repair it. There was a Vogue magazine, I think it was, from like 1912 that had slipped behind the mantle and we found it and it had just been sitting there for 100 years, you know. Um, So it's just a phenomenal house. But the area that our house is in is not ideal for like kids getting out into the neighborhood and playing. It was fine when we moved in. We had little, little, little bitty kids. And we kind of, I mean, I hate to say we didn't think in advance as much as we should have. But, you know, you sort of don't know until you get into that phase. Like, oh, this isn't exactly great for a family. But it was, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, personally, I would love to have a little bit more of like a bike riding scene and, you know, all that. So over the last two or three years, I would say three years, we have been trying to move. And the only thing I can tell you is the Lord just has not opened the door yet. We have put offers in on quite a few homes. And for one reason or another, the door just won't open. I mean, I have all but shoved my way through. As a matter of fact, um, this is sort of embarrassing, but we did buy one house um, and it had a pool in the backyard because where we are is super hot, like mm-hmm. probably not as hot as where you are, but mm-hmm. um, it, it gets really hot in the summer. And so this this house had a pool and um, lo and behold, right before we closed on the house, uh, we were there one day and I couldn't find my three-year-old and I thought, oh no, she's fallen into the pool. And of course I was panicked, you know, and she hadn't, she was just over in the corner reading a book, zoning out, not paying attention to my calling her name. But I said to my husband, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. And so we ended up turning around and selling that house two weeks later. That's a long story. But uh, that child that I thought had fallen into the pool um, ended up actually this past summer, uh, being diagnosed with a neurological disorder that we could not live near a pool for anything. If, if we wanted to, it would not be a wise idea. And so um, that's kind of a big no-no for, for people with what she has. So the Lord actually, I mean, I can look back over the last three years and while I have been shoving, 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 and it feels like, Lord, why will you not let these doors open? Right. I can already look back and see that He has protected us all along in this journey. And And um, so really just in the last couple of weeks, I've sort of had this moment of release where I'm like, okay, okay, I see your hand is at work. And even though this is actually not where I would choose to be right now, you know, I can see that in these moments, in these ways that uh, I didn't know all the pieces of the puzzle. Had I known, I would have chosen what you're choosing. But at the time, I didn't know that my daughter would be diagnosed with this, this neurological thing that would cause us to not need to be near pools. Um, and so, you know, he directed us even what felt like against my will at that time, but ultimately it was the wisest thing to do. But when I drive to and from school a thousand times a day, like I do, um, I pass numerous neighborhoods that I'm actually dying to move into. It's where all of our friends live. There are beautiful homes there. There are ponds and lakes and things that like kids can go fish, you know, they can ride their bikes. I mean, it really, from where I sit right now, it looks like the perfect life. I know right. full well it is not, but it feels that way, you know, from where I'm sitting right now. And the Lord just has not opened that door. So I have learned that when I'm driving my minivan past several of these neighborhoods that are, they're kind of all together, um, I just take my hands and lay them on my knees as I'm driving and just in a palms up way, because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but you can pray for something so many times that it's almost like the words, for one thing, they lose their meaning or in the other direction, it's, it's the desire is so deep that words just don't do it justice anymore. Right. So I've sort of um, 
I just realized one day, like, I can't pray for this anymore using those same old words. They're just not getting it done for me. So when I pass those neighborhoods, I just say, put my hands up on my knees and the Lord and I both know. It's just a physical surrender again. You know, like, here we are again. Here we are again. You know, and I don't know why I'm on this road. I don't know why he hasn't chosen to move us, but um, it's just a daily and you can sort of feel it in your bones when you when you do have a physical posture that is communicating something to the Lord that is almost too deep for words, you know. Right. And there's the, the scripture in the New Testament. I don't know it off the top of my head, but where it talks about when you don't have the words and you don't know what to say, that there are those deep groanings that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord hears those and knows those things, even in your heart that you can't verbalize. Because there are those times when there's just things you're walking through that are just too hard. Um, I don't know, there's a song, it's like when you just can't say anything. And even if you just, you know, say Jesus, there's just something that you can't verbalize that he knows what's going on. And I love that picture of just putting your hands out, you know, up to just say, I'm just giving it to you. I don't understand. And that's okay. And I don't know the timing. I think one of the things that we learn um, as moms and especially um, for me as an older mom, gosh, I hate saying older mom, but I mean, that's <laughs> the truth. Um, as an older mom, you know, my oldest was about, is going to be 30 this summer and my youngest is 22 and then my middle one's 26. And you go through, um, you know, your own personal things, like what you're sharing about where you want to be and where you're not yet and, and not understanding what's going on, but turning it over to the Lord. Those are things that because you learn them, you can then share with your kids hmm. because, even now uh, with one of ours, you know, we've had some conversations this last week and um, just had those same opportunities to share with them. Hey, God knows what's going on. He's been faithful in the past. He's mm-hmm. going to be faithful again. And it's remembering those times when he has been faithful, you know, like stopping the sale of that house for you to go up. Oh, yep. He knew what he was doing. He's going to, I'm not going to worry about it, even mm-hmm. though we tend to worry anyway, on some level at times. Mm-hmm. Um but knowing that he's been faithful over and over in the past is just, it's like the more we learn it ourselves and the more we can instill that in our kids too, because they're going to come up with times where they're not going to understand um, what's going on at all either. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You you had something else that you talked about in one of your other articles um, that you talk about the three second, the three second, six second and 10 minute rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. when you had um, a little bit of, you know, in this season of being extremely hectic of those times there, you just need to like breathe and take inventory and kind of what those different, um, I guess you just numbered it that way because it stuck out in your head and it was easy for you to remember, but what do those kind of, uh, time frames or time blocks mean to you? Yeah. Um, well I found myself, uh, really just a few weeks ago calling my mom and, uh, several times and just saying, I hate this phase. All I'm doing is driving all the time. Like I, I'm not loving this phase. And and my mom, she's just, she's so dear and so sweet, but like, she has no problem telling me the truth in love. Um, but <laughs> in, she, love, in, love, in yeah. love, in love, but she just said, you're just going to have to come up with some ways to find some joy. And, you know, you're just gonna have to get creative about how to find some joy in this. And so um, really they came to me in different ways, but the three second rule is uh, really kind of borrowing from the, I, I feel unbelievably cheesy saying this, but the mindfulness um, thought process is really is more present in the secular world than it is in the Christian world. But, but I love it 
because I tried it a few times and I couldn't believe how little I was paying attention to. But just for three seconds, you uh, check in with your senses and you say, what am I noticing around me right now? What do I see? What do I smell? What do I hear? You know, what what exactly am I tuning into around me? And to be honest with you, so much of the time I'm on my phone or I am paying attention to 12 things that are going on at once instead of noticing, huh, listen to that bird. That bird sounds really nice. Or, you know, whatever, so one little thing. And it's not, listen, for my phase of life, there's not a lot of time in the day for me to stop and really engage in the way that I would love to. And I know that that day will come, but just blips of three seconds all throughout the day that it helps me. It helps me to get off the phone. It helps me to pay attention to what really is going on, tune into nature over the course of the day, um, and even tune into my kids. Like sometimes I'm zoned out from them because I'm thinking about logistics. I'm paying attention to the calendar. Where are we supposed to be next? Get your shoes on, you know, all that. And sometimes just a three, I mean, three seconds is not a big commitment, you know, um, and then the next one was a six-second thing. And I, I had read that a six-second hug is really um, causes your heart rate to slow down a little bit. It causes that, that you have all these physiological benefits at the point of six seconds in a hug. So if you, if you can get it to six seconds, then your whole body starts to kind of relax. So right. I told my daughter that, like the 13-year-old, the, um, I just kind of told her just in a offhanded like hey listen to this crazy thing I read today and she was like I think that's really interesting and so I was like well then let's try it and so um so she's the one we started it when she was about 11 and you know an 11 year old girl is very different from a 13 year old girl and I'm thankful now she's 13 and I'm thankful we started it when she was 11 because when she has rough days or I have rough days either one of us will tell the other I need a six second hug and um it's just a you know for a mother-daughter relationship at 13 years old, it's a really good little tool to have in my back pocket. Um, Absolutely. We, in fact, you know, not to, not to interrupt you before we go to the next part, but that, that hug component. So my middle one um, was a competitive gymnast for years. Um, and so we had one day a week that she did not have practice other than Sunday. And it was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's the whole reason that I say happy Wednesday um, with most of the stuff that I post because we called it happy Wednesday. And she, we knew that that was the only day that she didn't have to go to the gym. Um, my other two would go to, they went to Awana at church, but Lacey, we were like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, it's your only day. And we just basically, that was the day we went to Sonic. I know that sounds dumb, but you know, you're passing oh, yeah. all the, you're passing all these fast food. Oh, can we stop? Can we stop? We're like, uh, no, we have mm-hmm. stuff at home. But that was the one day that we, you know, uh, took a time just for the two of us or time for us to just take a little bit of a break, but she's 26. And to this day, we all still will say happy Wednesday, but we'll also have this, you know, she works between my house and my office. Um, I work part-time. And so if, if we've talked during the day and either one of us has had a moment, I'm like, Hey, I'm leaving. She's like, you want to stop by? And we'll just, I'll just go out and pull, pull up in the parking lot and she'll hop out in the car and we'll just hug. I mean, mm. so that's something that, you know, I think you will, love and that will be such a big part of her understanding that one you're always there for her Mm. and that she's there for you um that you can take that moment because i know how physically like the reaction in me just something about a a hug and you just have this deep breath so Mm -hmm. anyway sorry Mm -hmm. to like pop in on that part so 
Oh yeah. No, no, no. The, that's great. Yeah, but so then the 10 second part, you talk about being more of a, an out diet, an outsort. Ugh, I can't talk an mm-hmm. outdoors, take a walk, kind of deep breathing moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Is really that, right? that one, that one was more 10 minutes. And, and I know that that seems extreme compared to six seconds and three seconds, but I really do think a 10 minute walk outside. I, I think moms in particular um, do a good job of getting their kids outside, but well, at least me, I can speak for myself. I do a good job being like, y'all go outside. You need to be outside. Even tonight, go jump on the trampoline, go do, just get outside, be outside because I know how important that is for them. But all the while tonight, perfect example, my husband's birthday is in two days. I'm like, okay, let me get online. What do I, you know, what can I get in for his birthday? Trying to plan his birthday. And then, okay, I got to make chicken pot pie for dinner. I've got to, you know, and all, I'm, I'm doing all these tasks and, um, I just, I think getting ourselves outside and not only outside, but moving outside, even if it's just walking leisurely, doesn't even have to be a brisk walk, just moving your body in the great outdoors. I think there is something healing about that. Sure. Um, You know, so those are my three things that just kind of recenter me even in this busy season. No, I love that. It's, you know, it's interesting to go back and look during, it's like I said, we walked a lot during COVID and I knew I had walked a lot more than normal. Like one of my friends, we get out and walk together when we lived. That's another sad part. We don't live by each other anymore. And so Mm. we used to walk three or four miles, um, four or five times a week. And so, um, you know, I always, I'm a big, um, music listener too, when I'm walking and it's Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, you know, praise music or it's, you know, old stuff. I mean, I love mm-hmm. Van Halen. I mean, I, I, I will <laughs> listen to pretty much whatever. I love a lot yeah. of old stuff. And I remember at the end of the year when I got my Spotify totals, you know, they total up all the, the music or like yeah. what was your number one genre or whatever. And it, I mean, it was like 96,000 minutes wow. I, the, of music for that year. And I'm like, I was super anxious last year. <laughs> I mean, it just really, it's, Really, and I knew that I was, and I knew there were a lot of things about that year in particular that were that were stressful, mm-hmm. um, on a lot of levels. But man, I saw that, and I was like, "Oh Lord, you are right." And mm-hmm. and I could see that the the power of getting outside, being alone, taking time, you know, regard like you said, regardless of how long or how brisk, but just time to get out and be out in my thoughts with the Lord. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times um, I would meet my friends, sometimes I'd walk alone. But yeah, no, I'm all about I'm all about getting outside. And it's it's hard, especially um, like my husband's been working from home for a lot, like most of our marriage. And he just had, took a new job and he's um, in an office and he's like, mm. I just have to get up from my desk and walk around every now and then. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's super important. Um well, before we get finished here, this has been so great. Tell me a little bit about, do you have any other projects on the horizon? I mean, do you have any other books that you're working on or uh, what's going on there? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I've been a stay-at-home mom um, since I had my first child 14 years ago. And literally, I've, I mean, 100%, I've been a stay-at-home mom. But my youngest child will start kindergarten this coming fall. So it feels like I'm entering a totally new season, which is exciting, fun, you know, I sort of just want to nap for a year, take a nap for a whole year, but, um, do it, do you it. Know. <laughs> but this writing thing, and, and I, I think I want to encourage other women with this. Um, and I know there are lots of women out there writing. I'm not limiting this to writing, but, um, you know, finding something 
And I, in some ways, I feel like this thing found me through the Josephine book. Uh, and then from that have come all these articles. I'm writing for secular publications. I'm writing poetry. I'm writing for Christian women's publications. I write a weekly column uh, myself. But I think um, just finding something that you really enjoy, that is genuinely life-giving in the way that like things were life-giving when you were a child. So just today, I had a story come out um, that it's no big deal. There's maybe like, 10 people are going to read this story. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, broadcasting to the world, but it's so exciting to see your thoughts and your words in print. It's for me. Anyway, this is life-giving for me. And so I think I will, I've I've just said to the Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do with this. And it's pretty unclear to me right now because I literally um, am writing about sports. This week, I have an article about sports coming out, a sports sports article, a, a poetry piece coming out and a piece about uh, like, the Christian life, all within three days of each other, which is exciting and fun and awesome, but not at all clear about what the future holds. And so I'm just, as each door comes, you know, and is open ahead of me, I'm just trying to walk through when it doesn't, you know, zap my family too much um, and require so much of me that I'm falling down on those responsibilities. Uh, while at the same time, you know, they can give and take too. It's perfectly fine for that to happen. I just, I think the thing I'm excited about is um, this new little life-giving part of of my life as a mom uh, and where the Lord is leading it, which is, again, unclear to me. Um, one other little tidbit that I would say to other moms Writing is not something that necessarily comes up in conversation on its own. And I just had a conversation with my friend today and I had to say to her, she's a dear old friend of mine. And I said, listen, I know this writing thing is new in my life, but it's a really big deal. And I know it's not intuitive for you to ask about it because you don't know about it. You're not a writer and you don't know, you know, it's it's not something that you're tuned into, but I'd love for you to ask about my writing every now and then. And she was like, great. I said, I feel like I have this new growth on the side of my body that nobody is acknowledging. Like it's a new part (laughs) of my life and everybody's acting like it's not there, you know, but um, I think we need to be kind of honest with each other about, hey, I've got this new like thing that I'm doing and I love it. It's so fun. Every once in a while, will you just ask me how it's going and um, give your friends sort of license to dive into these areas because Otherwise, there might not be, you know, freedom to necessarily, you you feel kind of silly just launching into it or almost prideful or something like that. Just saying like, you know, hey, there's this cool thing going on. Um, So it's it's exciting to get to talk about it. It's exciting to do it. And I think um, I'll just keep walking through whatever doors open up ahead of me. I think that's amazing. And I will say as um, I feel like that's maybe a little bit, uh, maybe I'm coming in on it backwards is there's been a lot of things that maybe I've put on the back burner in those kind of realms in terms of writing uh, for a long time Mm -hmm. um, for one reason or another. So I think going into knowing that you've got kids going into school and, Mm -hmm. or your last one going into school and, you know, you will have maybe more free time during the day because you won't have a physical kiddo in the home with you anymore, at least for Mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, if God just keep listening and keep being obedient, if God keeps laying things in front of you, that's I think that's amazing to take the time um, to just keep pursuing it because I feel like there are times when I wish I'd have done that and I wish I'd have done it maybe a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's still something that uh, that I've got on my radar and be working on because you're right. You, your mom is right. I'll just tell you um, not so much from a, Oh, find a way to, you know, find joy in the season, which is true, but also it's so short lived. And I know everybody says that, but the time that your kids are home and with you um, seems like forever in the middle of it. It seems like the days are long, um, but they fly by so quickly. And, um, you know, having, I think it's super important to have something, not in a selfish way, but something for yourself um, that, like you said, brings you joy, that's mm-hmm. gifted um, from the Lord that you can do and hone that uh, that gift and that talent. And also in what you're doing, you're bringing in other people on God's story. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's very exciting part of where you're stepping into, um, even though you'll be having, you know, everybody will be out of the house, at least from a school perspective, but you have more time to really focus on that. If that's something that God kind of continues to lead you in. So kudos. I think that's great. I love all that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. I love um, listening to all your story and your heart on where God's called you and and where he's uh, taken you, especially the last couple of years and that you're sharing all this with moms. Um, And I just pray for who God's going to bring to your stories, who is going to read them, who you're going to be able to share this with, because... um, I love everything that I've read and seen so far. So guys, I just encourage you to check out uh, Candace's book, Josephine in the Quarantine, and you can Google and I'll put all the show notes in. Um, So you're on Instagram at Candace Eccles writes and then Candace Eccles.com. Right. And then I'll, I'll link some of the um, different uh, articles that you've written as well. So you can find Candace's links in the show notes when we get this out. So thank you guys so much for listening to the drive to moms podcast until next time. Happy Wednesday. Hey, thanks for listening. It's pretty amazing to see God put people in your path and then hear their story of what he's doing in them in their sphere of influence. Cause that's different for everybody. So that's my challenge to you and myself What is God asking us to do and what are we doing about it? He's called us to share what he's done in our own lives with the people around us. And I think that's pretty cool. Check out our review page on Apple Podcasts and you can find it in my link in my bio on Instagram at drivethroughmoms. But until next time, happy Wednesday.